Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Several of you have been on this particular theme. This is probably the most popular of all the the themes that I'm getting, the topics that I'm get, getting from you. Now we're gonna we're not. There's no way in the world we're gonna cover this topic in one Sunday. I'm just gonna give you a panoramic overview of this particular topic, and it's answering the question: Are we living in the end time? Well, the short answer to that is yes. Right? Yeah, we are. And you, you went, really? <laughs> well, wait a minute. You got to understand. I believe in dispensationalism when it comes to interpreting the scripture. We have different dispensations ever since the creation of the world. So the end time dispensation began a little over 2,000 years ago. So we've been living in the end time for about 2,000 years. Ever since the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So don't let this alarm you. People get really all kind of freaked out and hyped up and scared about this. And um, this is called eschatology. Eschatology just simply means the doctrine of last things. That's what that study is. That's what this topic would be categorized under. So eschatology is the doctrine, right? Um, I know that's kind of a big word, and folks have a hard time understanding that or remembering it, so I like to use this word. Here's your better word. It's called panology. You say, what is panology? Well, it comes from canonology, which is the study of John Cannon, which is, which is a deep, actually a very shallow study. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but it's just panology. What is panology? Panology just means simply this. You have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and all this stuff will pan out in the end. Right? So you really don't have anything to worry or fret over as long as you know you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He's in control. He's got all things taken care of. Now, within this particular study, whenever we start, when someone asks, are we living in the end times? Or are these the last days? That's some of the comments that I'm getting back. What does the Bible say about this particular time frame? Within this study, there's a lot of other studies that are going to come out of this. And so this particular topic, although it won't be end times, within that there's going to be a lot of other topics that are going to address some of the things in response that I've received from you. Like some of you have asked about what's the difference between the judgment seat of Christ and the white throne judgment. Well, we're going to unpack that, but that's kind of all in the doctrine of eschatology. Several of you have asked about, I made reference several weeks ago about the five crowns that are mentioned in Scripture. Some of you have referenced that and said, hey, what are those five crowns? I'll unpack that. Once again, that's under the header of the doctrine of eschatology, the doctrine of last things. Okay, so we'll unpack that. Several of you have asked about the rapture. What about the rapture? Is Jesus really coming again for the rapture? And then what about the second coming? Those are two different things, the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. They're all under the heading or the doctrine of eschatology, the doctrine of last things, but they're different particular subjects 
under that. So those are responses that are coming back. Uh, so most of the responses I've received thus far have to deal with the doctrine of last things, the doctrine of eschatology. So we're going to unpack that briefly. And I want to try to, here, here's my goal. My goal is not to speak up here where it flies over everybody's head. I mean, I can, I can put together something like that and everybody leave here with a bullfrog in the hellstorm look and not have a clue what we're talking about. My goal is every time I speak are to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. That's what Billy Sunday said. He likes to put the cookies on the bottom shelf that even the smallest child or the most immature Christian can reach up there and get a cookie and take a bite of it and have something that they can take away from what's being said. So that's how I like to speak. That's how I like to teach. I'm a, I'm a bottom shelf cookie kind of guy, right? And so uh, that's what this is going to be also, okay? So don't get alarmed. And by the way, I'm not going to tell you what I think the Bible says. Because who cares what I think, right? It doesn't matter what I think. Matter of fact, you can take what I think and a $10 bill and buy a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And it's all going to be about the $10 bill, not about what I think. Are you with me? Okay? So whenever we go through these subjects, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you what I think. I'm simply going to tell you what the Bible says. I mean, I'm going to give you chapter and verse. I'm going to show you in Scripture what the Bible says. Now, Charlie, you've got probably the hardest job of anybody in here today because I have loaded up that slideshow with many Scripture references. But here's the deal. I don't know if I'm going to reference them. Okay? You have to pay attention. And if I mention a verse of Scripture, you've got to frantically search for it And hope you can find it and click on it before I go on to the next passage of Scripture. Okay? So Charlie does have a hard job today, so uh, remember him as we go through this. Okay? We'll try to get the Scripture up here. If you would like to have my sermon notes, I'm more than glad to give those to you. I just need to know you want them. I'm not going to send them out to everybody. Uh, But if you want my sermon notes on any of these topics, all you got to do is contact me, and I'll email you a copy of all my notes that has all the Scripture in it, and uh, you'll be able to have that. Okay? Now, here's also, just because it's in my notes doesn't mean I'm going to talk about it today. Because I have enough notes to sit up here probably for about three or four hours and talk. And you definitely don't want me to do that. There's a NASCAR race. No, NASCAR was last night. How many watched that last night? The All-Star race. Anybody watch? Nobody? (laughs) Dustin, are you raising your hand halfway? No? (laughs) All right. So there is no race today. So you want me to stay here for four hours, right? No? (laughs) Yeah, I can't. No, well, I'm not going to do that to you, okay? All right, let's jump into this. Let's talk a little bit about the end times. Let's just pray and ask the Lord to direct my thoughts, to open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, to receive what the Scripture has for us today, okay? Father, thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the Word of God that is spiritually discerned, according to Corinthians. Thank you that the author of the book lives within our hearts. And you're able to illuminate, shine light on, reveal, unpack, help us understand what your word is teaching in this particular subject today. Lord, this is a vast subject, and there are a lot of differing opinions when it comes to eschatology and the doctrine of last things. But Lord, I just pray you help us to see what your word says. Speak to us today. Give us understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
You guys may have heard, and he's dead now, but he was born July the 19th, 1921. He died in December of 2013. How many of you guys have heard of Harold Camping out of California? Harold Camping was a president of a radio conglomeration called Family Radio. They had 150 different networks that he was on out of California. But it's probably a good thing if you haven't heard of him. So that means you're listening to good stuff because Harold Camping was huge in numerology. As a matter of fact, he interpreted scripture based off numerology, not based off of hermeneutics or rightly interpreting the word of God, not based off that, just strictly numerology. And he had all these predictions that he put out there, like the prediction when the world is going to end, the prediction when Jesus is going to return. He applied everything to that. If you may remember, may recall, and I remember when this happened back in on May the 21st, today's May 20th, but on May the 21st in the year 2011, that was the year that he prophesied and he proclaimed that would be the year that the world was going to end, okay? He said that's going to be the end or the time when the the Lord is going to return, and then October 21st, the world is going to end. So he was given this prophecy that, that he proclaimed all across his radio network stations that on May 21st, 2011, Jesus is going to return, and then October 21st of 2011, the world is going to end, And the five-month period between May and October, whatever that time span is there, that the heavens are going to rain down fire and brimstone and plagues and millions of people are going to die every single day and the world is coming to an end on October the 21st. Well, obviously, here we are in 2018, right? Those predictions did not come true, obviously, right? So he says this, after May 21st came and left, and after October 21st came and left, he says, I believe that a spiritual judgment had occurred on the date of May 21st, and that the physical rapture would occur on October 21st simultaneously with the destruction of the universe, and then he went on giving all these other excuses why that didn't happen in October 21st. My point is simply this, there are hundreds of I call false prophets that are just out there playing on the emotions of people to gather a following. Matter of fact, millions of dollars was funneled into his ministry. I, I use that quote unquote loosely. Um, he sold numerous books uh, and information about all of this because folks were concerned that that was the date. But here's what I want you to know. I want you to stay away from anybody that says they know the date for the end time. You steer clear. That ought to be a red flag. I'm giving you something to put up a red flag for. Anytime you hear anyone say, oh, the Lord's coming on this day, this year, this time frame, this. I want you to know, lunatic, lunatic, lunatic. Lunatic, right? Red flag, red flag, red flag, crazy, 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 wacko, 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 turn off, turn off, turn off, find somebody else to listen to, right? Are you with me? Don't even dig into that. If anybody says that, matter of fact, if I stand up here one Sunday, which hopefully I never do, but you never know what may happen as I age and get older, I may absolutely lose it, okay? 
So I'm giving you permission right now. If I stand here one day and tell you Jesus is coming back on this date, get up and walk out the door. Okay? No man knows the day or the hour. We do not know that. I want you to look at a verse of scripture, Matthew 24, verse 36. You need to jot this one down. I don't know if I have it in your sermon notes or not, but jot down this scripture, Matthew 24 and verse number 36. Scripture says, now concerning the day and hour, it's all talking about the end of the world, the return of Christ, the rapture of the church, eschatology, as he's talking about the end times, that's what he's referencing. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Everybody say that with me. No one knows. Say it again. No Poke your neighbor on the shoulder right now and tell them no one knows. Nobody knows. Now, am I telling you that's what I think? Am I telling you I think no one knows? Am I telling you that? No. Because anytime I stand here and tell you this is what the Bible says, you need to say I need chapter and verse. Are you with me? So watch our chapter and verse. Matthew 24, what? 36. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, except the Father only. Now that's a profound verse of Scripture. I want you to listen to what it's saying. Jesus is telling them, no one knows. The angels in heaven, who were at the becking call of God the Creator... Ever since eternity past, all through eternity future, they don't even know. The Son, Jesus Christ. Now, this is kind of where it gets difficult. Let me sidestep right here. Call time out. This is in the margin of your mind. You can kind of write this down if you will. you got to remember that when Jesus was on earth, he was 100% man. But at the same time, he was 100% God. Right? Because God is Jesus in the flesh, incarnate. Are you with me? So the Son, in his 100% man state of incarnation, does not even know the hour that the Father is going to send him to rapture the church or start the clock on the end times. Okay, are you with me? Get it? Okay, good. So Matthew 24, 36. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. Two things I want you to get. I want you to get panology. I want you to understand that. What does that mean? Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Know him. If you know him as your personal Lord and Savior, everything's going to pan out. It's going to be okay. You have nothing to worry or fret over. It's okay. Okay, so I don't want to be an alarmist and it irritates me when I see these TV preachers and evangelists and radio personalities. They're they're nothing but alarmists to get you to give them an offering or buy their book or whatever the case may be. No one knows the day, the hour, the time except the father only. Practice panology. Keep your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ where it needs to be and everything's going to be okay. All right? Now, if you don't hear anything else I say, know those two things. Panology, which is your relationship with Jesus Christ, everything will be okay. It will pan out in the end. And by the way, don't go looking for that term panology in your scholar theological books. You will not find it. That's a cookie on the bottom shelf term. Are you with me? 
Okay? So don't go looking for it there. <laughs> Matter of fact, I doubt any other pastor even uses that term. Okay? I love chocolate chip cookies. In lieu of all of that, in lieu of all of that, I'm amazed that this took place. Ed Wisnett, Edgar Wisnett, in 1988, get this, he sold 4.3 million copies of his book that was detailing the very day and hour that Christ would return. 4.3 million copies were sold because he detailed out that in 1988, Christ would return. Now, obviously, I don't know what you were doing in 1988. I was four years into our marriage, working like crazy, not really paying attention to Ed Wisnett, which I'm glad I didn't. 4.3 million copies that Jesus, he lined it out in detail, would return that year. Well, December 31 came, 1988, and guess what? Jesus did not come. So he wrote another book. Well, it's not going to be in 1988. It's going to be in 1989. He wrote another book. Now, um, the American population started getting smarter because that year, instead of selling 4.3 million books, he only sold 30,000 copies of his book in 1989 that Jesus was coming again. Obviously, 1989 came and went, and the Lord Jesus did not return. I'm giving you some pretty good evidence on Matthew 24:36. No man knows the hour of the day, not even the Son nor the angels, only the Father. So 1989 came and went. He moves back home to his house right outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. He was a NASA engineer, retired, moved back home to Little Rock, Arkansas, a little one-room house that he lived in there. But he was all about the end times and the return of Christ. He made this statement after 1989, and the Lord certainly didn't come. He said, well, at least I can stand in front of the Lord and say I gave it my best shot. I'm like, really? Why didn't you just read the book? Right? Read the Bible. Save yourself a lot of embarrassment. Let me give you another passage of Scripture. And Charlie, I'm not sure if I have this one on there either, but I think I have it in the slides. If you can find it, please put it up. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. Listen, listen to what Scripture says. It says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord... Are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, get this, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. So I'm just validating once again the scripture in Matthew 24, 36 with scripture, Acts chapter 1 and verse 6 and 7, that it's not for us to know these things. Now I know you may want to know, right? It is kind of a curious subject to finger around in and pay attention to and maybe want to know. But God says, no, you can't know that, right? It's okay to tell you no, parents. That's a good thing to tell your kids, by the way. No. Let's all practice that. Yeah. God said no. It's not for you to know the day, the hour, the time, the event, these periods. I don't want you to know that stuff. 
I'll take care of that. So there's another great reference on the passage or scripture that no one knows. Now, get this. Here's one, another thought I'm going to give you before we jump into a few things here. Just because we do not know the day, the hour that Jesus is returning does not change the fact that he is. Are you with me? The Lord Jesus is coming again. The rapture of the church is going to take place. Now, you don't have to sit around me long, sit under my teaching long. You'll discover I'm a premillennialist. Uh, I believe in the, the rapture of the church before the seven-year tribulation period. And, um, you know, I know, that I know when I get close to the Mississippi, when you cross the Mississippi over into Missouri, right? When you go over into Missouri, you'll find a lot of theologians west of the Mississippi start the amillennial viewpoint or post-trib viewpoint. And so that's kind of the dividing line, theologically speaking, if you're even in that world or even interested in it. The Mississippi is kind of the dividing line and thought process dealing with eschatology. So that's neither here nor there. I don't even know why I told you that other than the fact that there may be some here that do not believe in pre-trib. I do. And I believe I have chapter and verse to show you what I believe. I'm not just telling you what I think. I'm telling you what Scripture teaches, and that's another day we can get into that. But here's what I want you to know. Although we do not know the hour, the day, the time that He is coming, we do know that He is. That's why I go back to my panology theory, right? Have your relationship with Jesus Christ in good standing. Be sure everything's well between you and the Lord because He is coming back. Matter of fact, you may want to jot this down. The very next prophetic Event. Now, notice I said prophetic. I did not say pathetic. Okay? The, the very next prophetic event that's going to be taking place is the rapture of the church. And by the church, I do not mean a denomination. I do not mean a building. I don't care if you're Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Lutheran. I don't care what. I, you, you know, I, have you ever heard me push denomination here? Ever? Ever have you heard me push that? Some of you don't even know what we are, and I'm okay with that. All right? I'm okay with that. I just want you to know Jesus, right? Why? Because if you know Jesus, it's all going to pan out in the end, right? Man, that's where I went through Bible college all these years, sat in all the theology class. I thought, man, I could summarize all of this with one statement. Just know Jesus. All this other stuff is going to take care of itself, Right? But just because we don't know the day, the hour, the time that he is coming does not change the fact that he is. So get your house in order. Be ready. Be prepared. Right? He is coming again to receive us. So with all that being said, let me try to quickly. Oh, my goodness. My time is gone. I've just got through the introduction. With all that being said, let me, let me give you this. How many, how many of these things do I have? Five or six? In your notes, six. Let me give them to you real quick. I want you to jot this down. Oh, I was supposed to put this up a long time ago. Concerning that day, no one knows. Matthew twenty four thirty six. Here's a couple things. Now, there are a few hints. There are a few signs. And, you know, as you're traveling, how many's ever gone on vacation? You're driving down the road. You got kids in the back seat, and it's about a six eight hour drive. It's a long trip, and they're about thirty minutes in. They're asking, "Are we there yet?" You experience that? You get about another. Th- are they? Are we there yet? 
No, there's a sun, 375 more miles to go. Are we there yet? No. There's another sun, 250 more miles to go. Are we there yet? No. There's another sun, 150, you know, so forth and so on. We've all done that, right? We've experienced that as parents, taking our kids on vacation, right? Yeah? There are signs along the way that let you know that the destination is getting closer. Okay? Matter of fact, Scripture calls these birth pains. And I'll sh- I want to close with that verse of Scripture, so I don't want to go there and steal my thunder just yet. But I do want to give you five or six or however many I put in your notes there, uh, signs, hints along the way that the end is near. Everybody say near. I did not tell you that the end is here. The end is near. Why did I tell you that? Because nobody knows. Because I want you to sit here for the rest of the service. I don't want you, I've already given you permission to get up and walk away. And I don't want you to do that. So I did not say the end is here right now. I don't know. It's near. So I'm giving you a few signs that's going to show you, yep, it's getting closer. Yep, it's getting closer. I don't know the day and the hour. And it could be another 3,000 years. I have no idea. Right? But there are some signs that are unfolding before our eyes that we can see. One of those is travel. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles, if you will, please, back into the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 12 and verse number 4. I want you to look at this, and I think I'll have it on Scripture as well. Thank you, Charlie. Daniel chapter 4 and verse number 12. I'm sorry. Yeah. Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 4. That's where I want to get. Now, actually, I want to read verse 1. At that time, Michael, the great prince who stands watch over your people, will rise up. Now, get this. He says, there will be a time of distress such as never has occurred since nations came into being until that time. Now, that's a great topic to unpack, and I don't have time to do it right now. But that's a great topic. You may want to put a star beside that one. But at that time, your people who are found, here it is, written in the book, will escape. You know what the book is here he's referencing? It's the Lamb's Book of Life. It's getting back to panology, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, it's all going to pan out. You're going to be okay. Notice I didn't say if you're a church member. Notice I didn't say if you're part of this denomination or that denomination. Notice I didn't say if you were baptized or if you take communion. I said if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you will escape. Everything will be okay. Okay, there's a lot said right there in that verse. It would probably take me a couple hours to unpack for you, but I'd love to do that one day. Let me jump up to verse 3, verse 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life, some to shame, and eternal contempt. I am going to deal with this passage in the weeks to come. Talking about the resurrection. Those who are wise will shine like the bright expanse of the heaven, and those who lead many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. You, got, you know what? I'm going, to shine, I'm going to shine like a star one day. You said, preach, you got chapter and Yeah, I do. And you can shine right there with me. What do we got to do to shine like a star? We got to do our best to lead many people to righteousness. Hello? Say amen or old me, but just let me know you're listening. Verse 4. But you, Daniel. I love this part. But you, Daniel, keep these words secret 
and seal the book until the time of the end. Many will roam about and knowledge will increase. Now here are a few signs. The first two are mentioned here in Daniel 12. The first two signs are mentioned here. The very first sign, he says, many will roam about. Now these are some signs that we could see. And we're going to go over to Matthew 24 and get more. But here's two I want you to see. That travel will increase. Guys, you know, in this day and age, I remember a day in, in my young life. And I'm 53. And some of you may question if that's young. I feel younger and younger every day. I'm forcing myself to believe that, right? But I remember when travel wasn't so easy. I remember cars without air conditioning. Right? I remember, I remember, how many of you guys ever done this? I remember cars without seatbelts, for heaven's sakes. I remember cars where the dimmer switch was in the floorboard and you had to hit it with your foot. You remember that? You remember that? I remember cars that you had to roll, we, we called cranking. <laughs> Crank down that window. All right? I remember laying up in the back seat where the speakers were and the sun baked and the fabric was always torn. I remember putting yard chairs in the back of a pickup truck and just kind of driving down the road. Nothing happened to me. I'm okay. (laughs) Where am I going with this? Travel. (laughs) Travel will increase. I was telling the guys yesterday at the Bible study, our men's small group on Saturday morning, I said, I remember the day when when we used to put our arms out the window and, and, you know, as a kid... And you just kind of, you're flying. My sister was on the right. I was on behind the driver's seat. I was always behind Dad. And I was with my left hand doing the thing. And she was on the right hand. And a big bug fly in and hit you on the head or something. You guys ever experienced that? Also, we was raised in the country. So we used to always, part of passing time was to count cattle in the fields. And the first one to 50 got to punch the other. You guys, now you got to understand. You say, well, you shouldn't beat up. On, my sister has always been bigger than me. Right? Matter of fact, I got beat up on the school bus, and my sister took over the next day and beat those guys up. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right? So the point is travel will increase. I mean, we can go anywhere today, right? In the blink of an eye, just get you a ticket and take off and go. You can get there in a very small limit of time, completely around the world. Do you believe that travel has increased over the years? Sure it has. What about the day when, what about the day in Daniel when this was written? What about in the New Testament day when Jesus was on earth? You know how they traveled then? Walking or on back of a camel or whatever, you know, whatever, right? But here we are, travel has increased. I want you to look in, in, in Daniel 12 and verse 4. It says, many will roam about. That's a clear reference that travel will increase. Matter of fact, I want you to look at this picture. I don't know if you can see this. But this is one of our church members. He's retired from the military now. He's actually moved down to, to Tennessee. This is Gary, who used to play our bass guitar. But while he was in the Air Force, he traveled down, went all the way down to the South Pole on a mission. And there he is at the South Pole, and he takes our Victory Church uh, sticker that we had back in the day and made a picture at the South Pole with Victory Church sticker. I've always loved that picture. Boom, there he is at the South Pole, right? My point is that travel is pretty easy today. 
I was just speaking with Sharon this past week, Earl's daughter, and she was talking about her son works for uh, Dubai, Dubai aircraft plane and travels around the world. I mean, luxury travel and pretty cool travel will increase. That's just what I want you to get. It's a sign. Another sign is found in Matt, or, or Daniel 12 and verse number four. Not only that many will roam, travel will increase, but knowledge, it simply says knowledge will increase, Right. Has knowledge increased in our world, in our day and age that we live in? Sure it has. I mean, in the, in the past 10, 15 years, I've seen it grow more and more. I mean, I remember the day, or I don't remember the day. I, there, there used to be just like telegraph, right? Then there was telephone. And then, of course, the third best way to communicate is tell a woman. No, no, I didn't, I didn't mean, to, mean to go there. It's, it's telegraph, telephone, not, not tell a woman. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Television. <laughs> I, I did not have chapter and verse for that, by the way. <laughs> Knowledge will increase. Okay. Okay. I shouldn't have probably said that. Computers, Internet. I mean, knowledge is that just a fingertip away. Just a click of a button away. I mean, w- w- Google it now as a verb, right? Google it. You don't know something, Google it. If you don't know how to fix something, YouTube it, right? I mean, I go to YouTube all, if I don't know something, how to do something, how to fix something, whatever, I go to YouTube. Somebody has put a video out on that, right? Knowledge, I just want you to see some of the signs. These are some of the road signs that we're on, that the, the end is near. Travel will increase. Knowledge will increase. We're going to go now to Matthew chapter 24. Charlie, go to Matthew 24 on the screen, please. I want you to look in verse number, um, verse number five. This whole passage, Matthew chapter 24, that entire chapter is a fantastic chapter dealing with the end times. Okay, and I'm not going to take time and read all of that simply because I am running out of time. I want to get these for you real quick. Uh, here are a few more hints and signs that the end is near. Matthew 24 and verse number 5. It says, For many will come in my name saying that I am the Messiah. There will be many folks that will rise up and say, Hey, I am Jesus. I am the Messiah. And we've seen that, right? I remember when we did the uh, Go 10 walk back in 2010 here at, at Victory Church. And, and I was in charge of um, a couple hundred mile section that I had to sponsor and get folks to walk 10 mile sex, sections. And we walked from the, the southern or the whatever point of Kentucky that is through southern Illinois over into Missouri down through Sykeston and, and that way. I was in charge of all of that area. And I remember we're down in southern Illinois down, or southern Missouri down there somewhere. And we're on the wall. And I come up and I see this guy kind of broken down on the side of the road, off the side of the road in a, a real rough looking car. And you could tell he was having a hard time himself and physically. And I went up to him, asked if I could help him. And he said, no, I'm Jesus. I need no help. Okay. So I just talked with him, tried to befriend him a little bit and went on. But they're everywhere. I mean, there's all types of people that believe that they are Jesus, that they are the Messiah, and you're going to see that. Matter of fact, there's a, there was a cult following of the Reverend Sun Mung Moon, the Unification Church out of Korea. Don't know if you're familiar with that, but he believes that he is, or believe that he is the Messiah or Jesus. The point is, there's going to be many people claim to be Christ. 
You may have experienced that. You may have seen that. You may have ran across some websites with that. Red flag, right? Red flag, red flag. Many in the end time. This is a sign that many in the end time will believe or claim that they are Christ. Get you another one here. The love for another sign, if you will, as we move forward on the end time. The love for the Lord and for others will decrease. Now that's in Matthew 24 and verse number 12. Listen to this. It says, because lawlessness will multiply, lawlessness will multiply. That's a sign in and of itself. I mean, even our police department and those that make rules and regulations and laws can't even enforce them in the day, right? I mean, lawlessness will multiply. Do we see that in our day and age? Sure we do. Does it mean Jesus is coming back today? No, it means... It's a sign that the end times are here. The love of many will grow cold. The love for the Lord, the love for others. Have we seen that grow cold? Sure we have. I mean, there used to be a day when we wouldn't think of passing someone on the road without stopping to help them. Where I grew up, you picked up hitchhikers. I mean, there was a guy in our community named Joe. And as long as I can ever remember, we picked him up. Anywhere he needed to go, we picked him up. He thumbed all over the area. And we just picked him up. Everybody knew to pick him up, right, and help him get from one place to another. We don't live in that day any longer, do we? Why is that? Because of lawlessness and because the love of others has grown cold. Matter of fact, there's another passage of Scripture. I want us to, I want us to put a safeguard in place right here. I want us to pay attention here just for a moment. Because John thirteen thirty five is a is a very strong passage of scripture. It says, By this all people would know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love one for another. Now I'm not telling you to stop every time you see someone broken broken down. You gotta use caution today and you gotta be wise and I mean we just live in a lawless day and age, right? Where the love of many have waxed cold, but we've got to show the outside world and the church that we are Christ followers. And Jesus said the way we show that is our what? Love for one another. Right? That we love one another. Are you with me? But that's one of the signs in the end times that we're nearing the end is that the love for the Lord and others will decrease. There's another one, wars and rumors of wars. Put that in your sermon notes. Wars and rumors of, of war. That's back in Deuteronomy 20, or I'm sorry, Matthew 24 and verse number 6 and verse number 7. It says, see that you're not alarmed because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Um, oh, I'm sorry, verse 6, but you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. So we're going to see that, and we're certainly hearing that, and we see that, Right? I mean, I've kind of drilled down in that, and I could probably speak on that another 20 minutes, but I don't have time, so we're going to move forward. We know those are taking place everywhere all around us. Famines and earthquakes, that's something else that's mentioned as a sign that we're nearing the end time. In verse number 7b, the latter part, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Famines and earthquakes. I did a whole research on that from actually stating back... From the year back in 1970 to the current year and the number of earthquakes that have taken place and the statistics do not lie. 
they are increasing more and more and more. Matter of fact, you guys know that I do insurance as well. I was trying to write insurance on a particular business, and the insurance company said, nope, we will not write them because they are right directly on top of the, uh, the fault line, the mer- meridian. What, what's the word? Pneumatic fault. I don't think that's the word they use. But anyway, right on the, the fault line there, and so they wouldn't even write insurance on it. I mean, because why? Because earthquakes are increasing more and more and more, and that is just a sign. But I want to close out, if you will. Look at verse number 8. I'm going to try to close out with this. See that you're not alarmed. This is what I want you to get. See that you're not alarmed. I want to close out with this. Look, if you will, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 6. It says, you're going to hear of these wars and rumors of war. The latter part, see that you are not alarmed because these things must take place, but... The end is not yet. Look in verse number 8. All these events are the beginning. Everybody say beginning. They are the beginning of birth pains. Now, let me close it out with this illustration. I'm going to be done. I, as many of you men may have been, I was in the delivery room when both of our children were born. Now, my wife will be the first one to tell you I was absolutely of no use whatsoever, but I was there nonetheless, right? <laughs> Mainly up there focused on her because I'm not a, you know me, I, I'm focused on her. So I'm there, okay? Now, the birth of our child, children were taking place at that moment. However, Far before the birth took place on April 12, 1990 and February 23, 1993, long before those dates took place and the birth of those children happened, way back here, there were signs that that was going to happen nine months from now. Are you with me? You guys know what they are. There's some sons. And then as you go a little further, there's some more sons. Like the clothes don't fit any longer, right? And we keep going a little further, and there's some more sons. Like, oh, I think I just felt him or her move. Some signs that a baby's going to be born. You go a little further, there's some more signs. It's April the 12th, 1990. Tyler was born in the afternoon. My wife is in the kitchen having contractions. I remember this like it was yesterday. She says, John, she holds herself and bends over while she's scrambling eggs. (laughs) I I, I kid you not. I think I'm going to have him today and scrambling eggs. I'm like... Well, maybe we should go on to the hospital. She's like, no, I've got to feed you breakfast first. <laughs> She's scrambling eggs. Bless her heart. We get breakfast, or I get breakfast. <laughs> right? Contractions. And I could tell you a few more stories about the parking lot, the camera gear, and I won't go there. Ask him about it later. But she's scrambling. Contractions are taking place. Later that day, boom, the birth of Tyler, our son. And then the next one, I could tell the same stories with Kristen, the birth of Kristen. 
But way back there, there were signs along the way that that was going to take place. So all of a sudden, come April 12th, 1990, we weren't all of a sudden like, wow, there's a baby. We had no idea. And I know I've seen some news like that, and I'm not a woman, but I'm like, how would you not know, right? So the sign. So my point is this. I want you to look what Scripture says in Matthew 24 and verse number 8. All of these events, everything that we see unfolding before our very eyes today, all of these events are the, say it with me, beginning of birth pains. Okay? So are we living in the end times? Yes, we have been. Ever since the ascension of Christ, for 2,000-odd years, we've been living in the end times. However, there are some signs, as I shared with you, that are unfolding right before our eyes. There's some more signs. Pay attention to Israel. and I'm not going to get into Scripture and unpack all of that today. But pay attention to what's taking place around Israel. Some more signs that the end is near. Now... You're going to have to unpack and define the word near. I am not doing that for you. God is God. And a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as is one day. So who am I to put a number on near? And by the way, that day with the Lord a thousand, that's scripture. You'll find that in Psalms and Peter. But that's scripture. Right? So I don't know what near means. It can mean another thousand years. It can mean tomorrow. It can mean first thing in the morning. For heaven's sakes, it can mean right now. I don't know. But here's what I do know. Panology. You get your relationship with Christ where it needs to be. And all these other things will take care of themselves. Now, for the individual that shot me a message say, hey, can you share a little bit of what the Bible has to say about the end times? That's a panoramic view of the beginning of the end times. Okay? That it's near. And I'm going to start unpacking some of the details of that in the weeks to come because there, obviously there's interest in it because that's some of the things you've been shooting to me, okay? So if you have any more thoughts or any more interest on what the Bible has to say, I want you to shoot me a text message, email, phone call, whatever, social media, whatever, get a hold of me, and I'll start unpacking some scripture and putting some things together for you, okay? So we're going to leave here with two things, right? Anybody that comes to you and says, hey, I know the, di- the hour, the day, I know when he's coming, you fill in the blank, right? Be nice, smile, and back away. Okay? Second thing, panology. So let me ask you, how are things with you and the Lord? Seriously. How is your relationship with Jesus Christ? If it's not where it needs to be, friend, I've shared with you some signs. It's near. It could be today. It could be another thousand years. I don't know. But for me, I'm not willing to roll the dice and take that chance. I want to be sure everything is good. And the only way you can do that is to know that you're a sinner. We're all born sinners. That God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay your and my sin debt. He was buried. He rose out of the tomb victorious through the third day. He is seated by the right hand of God the Father. They're making intercession for you and for me. And when God looks over the portals of heaven, he only sees two men. He sees us either in Adam, which is in our flesh, or he sees us in Christ, 
Not in a denomination, not in a particular church, in Christ or in Adam. My question is, when God looks over the portals of heaven and looks at you, does he see you in Adam, in your flesh, or does he see you in Christ? My prayer is, he sees you in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together today. Thank you for the word of God. And uh, thank you, Lord, for the ability to, um, to study scripture, to understand it. Thank you for the illumination that takes place, that you shine light on it. You give us understanding of the Word of God. Lord, I just pray that everyone here and everyone under the sound of my voice, whether they're watching on Facebook or listening to this podcast, I just pray that everyone would come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. You are the only way to God the Father. You yourself said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Father, you are the only way. And God, you love us so much that you gave your son Jesus so that we could have a relationship with you. My prayer is that everyone under the sound of my voice knows you. And if they do not, that right now they would ask for your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace, your salvation, and trust in the finished work of the cross And trust in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Have your will and way in all of our hearts and all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360 or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.